Good evening and good morning and welcome to Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. It is Tuesday, August 28th, and we are recording the 30th episode of our show. In Long Beach, California, I am Sam Miller, and in New York City, yawning into a $100 microphone, Ben Lindbergh has interrupted his preparation of tomorrow's column to speak to me and to you all. Ben, how are you doing today? Great. I'm going to try to sound as chipper today as I sounded yesterday. And you give me a lot of credit thinking that I'm already working on my column. Thank you for that. Uh, well, that's promising. <laughs> um, do you have a topic you would like to speak about? Yeah, uh, I would like to talk about the study, or I don't know that I would call it a study. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> Already the claws are out. <laughs> the article in The Atlantic uh, yesterday about race or nationality and, and the way that broadcasters talk about players. And I'll be talking about Brian McCann, but we can probably just tack that on to the end of what will surely be a spirited discussion that gets us both into trouble. Why don't you tell everybody about the study that is perhaps not a study? Okay. I don't know how spirited it will be because it seems, based on our brief pre-show conversation, that maybe we both agree on this. But maybe we will find a way to disagree and make it more interesting. Um, The article that came out uh, yesterday, it... It basically studied uh, the way that broadcasters describe players for a week worth of games um, and sort of tried to identify the intangible terms uh, or the terms that broadcasters use to describe players' intangible talents. Um, And it came to the conclusion that there was some uh, bias or some preference towards using certain terms for certain players. Uh, The takeaway was Latino players are almost 13% less likely to be praised for intangibles than their white counterparts. Announcers are nearly 14% more likely to praise a U.S. Canadian-born player for intangibles than they are their international counterparts. So uh, this came out and it got picked up a bunch of different places, um, linked more or less everywhere. And the conclusion seemed to be that this was maybe a a, a, sort of a a final uh, word on something that people have often kind of, I don't know if joked about is the right word, but but acknowledged or uh, tried to say that, that certain players are more likely to be discussed in these terms. And and the terms that we're talking about, the the top 10 most used terms um, in this article were hustle, talented, aggressive, patient, good effort, athlete, hardworking, athletic, clutch, professional. Um, I don't know that all of those are necessarily intangible qualities. Something like patience seems like it could describe a tangible quality. But anyway, there there has long been a, a conception, I guess, since the days of Fire Joe Morgan maybe popularized it, but before that even, that that little players and and white players uh, were more likely to be described as as scrappy uh, or to have their effort praised than non-white players, um, and so this study was 
kind of taken as a, as confirmation of that. Um, and that's how it, it was reported or, or linked in most places I saw. And you and I, uh, I think had a somewhat different reaction when we read it independently. Um, I don't know what the alternative to independently would be. We were reading each other over each other's shoulders, maybe. Uh, but I read it. I read it to you. Yes, right. You're because you are illiterate, so you do need a reader. Yes, uh, and you and I, I think, kind of got the impression that this was sort of flimsy at best. I, do you want to talk about why you felt that way? Uh, briefly, because I know that you've uh, put more. Uh, work into this than I have, but there's very, it, it seems to me that there's very little discussion about um, really the methodology, the, the sort of questions that you would have about methodology, um, and there's very little data, and so it's really hard to parse exactly what it is they've found, how st- significant it is, um, how many um, how many descriptions uh, apply to each player, whether we're talking about um, uh, if 14% is 7 instead of 6, or if it's 70 instead of 60. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've occasionally have sort of enterprised kind of uh, research projects that I didn't know where they were going to go. And there's always... Uh, complications that arise that you're not anticipating. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the answers are never quite as cut and dried. And so I imagine that with 10 different people watching these games, um, that there's a, a real um, uh, substantial subjectivity to what is considered, what does get logged, what does get logged as positive, what does get logged as negative. And I imagine that the uh, premise of the um, study was sort of known to the people. In fact, I, I know based on the Kickstarter page mm-hmm. that, that there was this sort of a hypothesis. And I think there's always a, a tendency to find things that support a hypothesis if you're not careful. And I'm not saying that this study does any of those things. What I'm, well, I, I think that what I would say is that um, there's not nearly enough information presented to decide whether this study does any of these things. Yeah. And, and, and also, I, I mean, just glancing at some of the... the the um, the results um, they make they make mention of the fact that like for instance Jim Tomey is one of the most praised uh, players that week and it was the week he hit his 600th home run um, which obviously is uh, <laughs> a complicating factor you right. can't really you can't really draw any conclusions from that four Brewers in the top ten most praised players and Carlos Zambrano uh, in the most criticized because that was the the week that he sort of walked away from baseball. Uh, yes, yeah, exactly. Zambra- exactly with Zambrano. So four Brewers were in the most praised. They were in the middle of a six-game winning streak. So that you know makes sense. Nine of the most praised or most criticized players were either Dodgers or playing the Dodgers, and so you wonder whether they controlled for the broadcast crew. And these are all issues that you would a good study to control for, and it's just not clear whether they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I have made, I have had many uh, an idea for a flawed study in my day um, <laughs> and conducted many a flawed study and often what I do uh, when I do that preferably before I do that before I waste my time doing that is talk to Colin Wires who is our director of research at, at BP and and sort of just generally a, a debunker of, of flawed research both at BP and elsewhere um, and he took a look at the data and 
he asked the authors for for their data, uh, which they shared with him. And he may write about this, may not write about this, but he had some pretty serious concerns about the conclusions they drew from the data they gathered, uh, even apart from any questions he might have had about the methods that they used to collect that data. Um, and and so I, I just, I think, I, I mean, I, I certainly would not be surprised to learn that that people have a, an un, a subconscious bias or prejudice towards certain groups or against certain groups and that they might, and that that might affect the way that they speak about them. In fact, I would sort of be surprised if that weren't the case, I guess. But uh, I don't think that this article um, supported that, or I don't think this article either confirmed or denied any ideas that I had about that. And I mean, there's a there's an actual line in the article that says this is a scientific analysis. Um, and so I think if you just kind of skimmed it and assumed that the people who said it was a scientific analysis, you know, were knew what they were doing and took the, the proper measures. Um, and I don't think that the, the people who did this had any kind of uh, ulterior motives or 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 were acting in bad faith or anything like that. I, I, I think they thought that their conclusions were valid. I just don't know if I agree. And I think just how quickly it was uh, linked and retweeted and, and praised really for being thought provoking or a, or a must read article um, surprised me because I felt like some of the people who praised it might have uh, been a bit more skeptical had it been some other subject. I think there was an element of people expecting this to be the case and seeing an article that labeled itself scientific analysis that seemed to conclude what we might have expected it to conclude. Uh, and maybe they were a little more willing to accept that than they should have been, possibly. Do you think that the uh, that there is a study that could be done on this topic that would be um, important? Uh, I guess I mean it would. However, you try it, I'm sure it would be a nightmare to control for everything you'd need to control for and to do it in a, a standardized, really rigorous way. Um, I'm sure it would be possible i'm sure there's some way to do it i think it would involve watching more games and and really uh just coming up with a, a very more scientific than this way of classifying those intangible terms mm-hmm. um and uh, i mean even even were it performed correctly i i don't or perfectly i don't know that that it would be a groundbreaking conclusion that people might be more inclined to talk about people who share some of their characteristics in a more positive way, um, you know, without being aware of that. I I think there's, I I think that there, I think you and I probably both have uh, over our, you know, over the past few years, we've probably both have at times sensed that this is a true conclusion. Mm -hmm. I think that probably um, my suspicion is that a great deal of it is the fact that um, 
broadcasters as well as journalists do have access to players and they do talk to players a lot. They research these guys. Um, and the language issue is significant. And if you are an English speaking uh, broadcaster, you probably speak to half the team a lot more than the other half of the team. And you have relationships with the other half of the team. And so, I, I mean, I don't think that um, it would surprise me in the least if this were a true phenomenon. I think taking the uh, some of the leaps that these types of things um, tend to go to uh, that uh, 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 sort of imply a, a, a little bit more uh, sinister motives in the hearts of the people who are talking is probably yes. a bit much, but um, but maybe not. I mean, uh, until we have a good study, it's hard to say. I'm, I mean, I'm certainly um, I would be interested in it, and I don't know if there's anything that could be done with it, but it's always interesting to find out that we're all horrible people. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to an interview, uh, an old interview on Up and In with John Morosi from Fox Sports, who was saying sort of what you're saying that since he doesn't speak Spanish, he feels like he misses out on a lot of the stories that he could otherwise tell. Um, and that it bothers him as a, as a journalist that he isn't able to bring those same stories to his readers just because of that language barrier. And that if there's one thing that he wants to work on, it's, it's becoming fluent in Spanish or good enough in Spanish to talk to anyone. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that's, I, that's sort of a, a maybe a less sinister explanation for this effect if it is an effect. Um, so yeah, it was. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the conclusions of this article uh, had some sort of basis in fact, just not that this article really demonstrated that conclusively to me. What is that? The Morosi Italian, you think? <laughs> yeah, but I'm. I don't. I don't know if we can. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, I. <laughs> that was just a joke, Ben. I don't actually think that John Morosi's ancestral background is a factor here. Uh, probably not a very well executed joke, um, and uh, one that I hope doesn't. Uh, ruin my career. <laughs> uh, so Brian McCann, who is also uh, probably uh, his ancestral background is not relevant to the issue here. The issue here is that Brian McCann has had a um, pretty lousy season uh, by his standards. He's actually not had that lousy of a season, um, but he's having the worst year offensively of his career. He is batting seventh in the Braves lineup. Uh, frequently sometimes uh, for the first time since 2008 and um, in August he doesn't have an extra base hit um, the sub issue here is that he has a shoulder injury he has fraying on his labrum um, and there's also a BABIP question with him of whether this is merely a BABIP drop and perhaps more concerning for a player who is 14 months from free agency. Um, the fact is that he is a catcher approaching 30. Um, do you think that we have seen the best of Brian McCann's career pass us by? Uh, and, uh, and, uh, do you think that he's a uh, factor in this year's pennant race for good or ill? I guess I would say that any, what is he, 28? He is 28. Yeah. It is his age 28 season. It's possible that he has had one of those birthdays that does not get mm -hmm. updated on his season line. But yeah, he's 28. He is 28. Yeah, I guess 
it's always a safe assumption that a catcher who has been catching for many years and who came up when he was 21 and is now past what we typically, at least a little bit past what we typically think of as, as the physical prime, even for a position that doesn't uh, age its players quite as harshly as catcher. Um, I, I guess the safe thing is to say that we have seen the best of him, uh, but I would not put it past him certainly to come back and, and be something close to what he was before. Um, as for whether he is a factor, yes, I would say he's a factor uh, in that he is a team. That he is on a team that is in a pennant race and fighting uh, for a pennant spot or for a playoff spot. Uh, the Braves, I guess, are lucky in that they have a good backup catcher, um, although nothing like uh, prime Brian McCann. Um David Ross is is one of the better backup catchers certainly in the league and and I guess really has been more productive than McCann this season. Um, so yeah, I, I I guess I would say that the safe thing to say is that maybe we've seen the best of him already, but I definitely wouldn't write him off being one of the best catchers in baseball again because really for the last several years he has been as good as really just about anyone, I would say, um, at that position, certainly as consistent as anyone. One of the interesting things about his season is that um, he has, um, he's one of those sort of classic cases where everything about him is the same, except for his, his BABIP. He has um, basically the same power. His walk rate is identical to his career rate. His strikeout rate is essentially identical. Line drive rate, uh, ground ball, fly ball rates, all very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the Braves have clearly decided that uh, this is not a fluke. They, um, they've moved him down in the order. I mean, he's, he batted third or fourth 90% of the time last year. He batted third or fourth uh, or fifth every day through the end of June. And um, they clearly decided that um, that this is actually a real phenomenon, that Brian McCann is, uh, is not the same hitter he was. And it's just – I find that interesting from an analyst's uh, perspective, an analytical perspective, because it has all the markers of a um, performance drop that, that could be easily written off with all the information at our disposal. And the Braves, um, who presumably uh, – I think we have to – I tend to assume that they're acting rationally, uh, disagree. And so it makes me wonder what, um, you know, how, how many, well, either the Braves are wrong, which is also possible. I mean, I don't mean to, to say that teams are always correct, but either the Braves are wrong or there are conceivably lots of times like this where all the numbers suggests uh, one thing, but there are factors, uh, at play that the numbers don't suggest. Um, the other thing is that he is, um, as you say, he's 28, and catchers age quickly, and sometimes they age uglily. Um, but it is uh, like Dan Ugly, or <laughs> in an ugly manner. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, his the season, same thing, I guess. His season, uh, his his line this year is um, 236 batting average, 310 on base, 414 slugging, for a 255 true average. Pakota projects a 233 average 316 obp 389 slugging and 256 true average which uh if you had trouble with those numbers 
Those are all basically the same. It projects those for him in 2020. So it is not the case that the aging curve typically uh, or uh, as a mean uh, works this quickly. And so it is probably not the case that Brian McCann is old and dead. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Well, I I do – I always – I mean the Braves would not be the first team to, I think, read too much into a fluky season. Uh, It has happened. It has happened. Certainly they know more about Brian McCann than we do, if only because they have watched Brian McCann every day, which is not something I can say. Um, And so I – I don't. If I had seen every one of his games this year, I might have a more informed opinion about whether the the low BABIP was just uh, a fluky thing where he's hitting balls really hard right at people, or whether he's just hitting the ball less hard. Um, and and as you mentioned with the shoulder injury, that maybe gives you some more reason to think that possibly he's you know more of his batted balls are not going for hits because he's maybe not hitting the ball as hard and yet as you mentioned his power is pretty much intact um so yeah it's hard to say i I don't know Uh, obviously they have seen him every day and and they would have a pretty good idea of that you would think Okay, well, Ben, I'm uh, terrified that I'm going to unnecessarily insult another European subgroup. So (laughs) let's wrap this up before I get us in any deeper. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow with episode 31 of Effectively Wild, and um, we'll talk to you then.